Today is one of those, um, it's one of those days uh, where, where I'm, I'm coming to you here, or if you're watching online, um, you're, you're diving into a message here today that it's one of those heavy burden on my heart sorts of messages. And I'm not sure that uh, what is on my heart is going to get translated that well uh, in the form of the message, but it's been something that I've just been kind of laboring on for a while, but it has been truly a, a labor of love. And I know that um, you're here to listen, but you're also able to, to pray and to listen at the same time. And I'm just asking if you'd just be praying uh, simultaneous to me uh, just talking for a little bit, and that would help me out an awful lot. Um, one of my favorite things that I get to do is uh, when, when my wife isn't doing it, then I love getting to go up into my daughter's uh, room at bedtime. Uh, she's four. And I take Leilani upstairs and uh, we get her all ready for bed. And then I get to read a, a story to her. And uh, we, we, we turn all the lights off except one little lamp. And so sometimes it's hard to make out, you know, what the pictures are and what the words are, but it doesn't really matter because the books are boring. And, and so I can just kind of make it up as we go usually. Um, but the time is so precious. You know, you're just kind of laying there and, uh, and snuggling a little bit and opening up uh, a story and then reading together. And so um, I, I love that. It's one of my favorite moments. So I, I, I brought one book um, that, that I was reading the other night to her and it's called uh, Sharing. Aww. Yeah, and, and so um, the books that she reads right now, um, they're made out of cardboard, and they've only got about five or six pages, you know, big pictures and only a handful of words. Um, but uh, you know me a little bit. Um, he gave me, God gave me a little bit of goofy when he made me. Um, but I am fully convinced that when he made Leilani, he gave a full like dump truck worth of goofy to her. I'm convinced she's going to be the funniest of the entire family. She already understands the principles of humor and has a sense of humor and will get cracking up about something and just can't stop. I don't know if you've ever had a moment with a friend or family member where you start, you get the giggles about something and you just can't stop. You think, I'm going to throw up if I keep laughing like this. And that's often how these, these go. And so this particular night, we're kind of in this room, little light on and snuggling up. And we're going to read sharing. And I, I'm going to tolerate this for just a little bit. And uh, I say, okay, Lay, here we go. Uh, Sandra shares her orange drink with Billy. Oh, so that's nice. You know, Sandra shares her orange drink with, with Billy. And I'm thinking, how many pages of this drivel do I have to, this is riveting, but are you asleep yet? Hopefully we can get through this. And, 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 and you imagine you go through and every single page, you know, then somebody's sharing something with someone. Well, I, I get now near the end and, uh, I, I turn to, to this page and in the, in the dim lighting, um, what it says here is Bobby shares his paints with Linda. That's what it says. But, but in the darkness, what I read out loud was Bobby shares his pants with Linda. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm, what kind of book is this? What do, why would you do this to kids? 
anywhere and my daughter did not miss a beat. She said, Bobby shouldn't share his pants with Linda. I said, you're right. You shouldn't share your pants with anybody. If you ever share your pants with Bobby, Bobby ain't coming back alive. Bobby and daddy are going to have a conversation. I'm going to share my fist with Bobby's face. And we just started cracking up. And now to this day, every single time we pull out the sharing book, we just start giggling before we even get to that page. And I still intentionally now, I'll get to that page and I'll look over at Leilani and she'll go, oh no, Bobby's going to share his pants again. <laughs> I, in those moments, I, I am filled up with so much joy and love for my little girl. I love that. You know, there's, there's moments where you can physically, tangibly experience love. You know what I'm talking about? We, we've all had those moments. Uh, sometimes they're few and far between, unfortunately, in our world. But those are precious, sweet moments. We measure an awful lot of love based on uh, words or touch and affection or circumstances. Uh, when it comes to the love that we have for each other, uh, it tends to operate where, you know, if, if this sort of things is going on, we're experiencing this, then that translates to, oh, okay, gosh, we're loved. But when it comes to God, it's, it's a little bit different ball game sometimes. And when it comes to God, we have a tremendous need for the love of God, the love of our maker, the love of our creator, the one that knows you best, loves you most. We've got a need for it. But the, the, the difficult part is for the tremendous need for the love of God that we have, there's often a real difficulty even receiving that sort of love. Uh, we, we, can, uh, we can understand it. We can believe it. But that's different than experiencing it. Does that make sense? You know, it's like I could tell you all of the ins and outs of honey. I could explain up and down how amazing honey tastes and the feeling as it hits your tongue and the consistency and the aftertaste. Honey is, a, I, could, I could get you to understand all the things about honey, but it's entirely different to understand about honey than it is to actually taste. Mm. Mm, that's good. And, and, and I guess what I'm hoping today and why, why I need the prayer like dialogue going on is because it's easy for me to um, explain or dissect to talk about the love of God. But I, I want more than that for you. I want more than that for me. My heart is that you would like actually taste and experience God's love. And maybe it's today in the next 20 minutes or so. Maybe it's sometime throughout the week. 
but that you wouldn't just have an understanding, an intellectual capacity, yeah, I get it, but that somehow you would experience it, you would taste the love that, that God has for you. There, there's a, 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 a mathematician and scientist uh, named Pascal, uh, Blaise Pascal, lived in the 1600s. He actually didn't live very long, 39 years. But he was a child prodigy, brilliant mathematician, scientist. We still use some of his theories today. But did you know that, that Pascal had, with his phenomenal mind, he had an, an experience of the love of God that he actually wrote down. And when he wrote it down, he wrote it on some parchment and then he had the parchment sewed inside of his coat because the experience was so overwhelming and so tangible and so real. It wasn't just an intellectual thing. It was a heart thing. And Pascal said this, I wrote it down. This is what he had etched in. This day of grace, 1654. From about half past 10 at night to about half after midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the philosophers or scholars. Security, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, greatness of human soul, joy, 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 tears of joy, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, may I never be separated from him. See, that, that's, that's moved beyond, uh, yeah, I understand God loves me and the love that God had. That, that somehow overwhelmed him. The Holy Spirit poured out his love into Pascal's heart. And that's what I'm praying for you and for me. Our hearts will move toward what our hearts decide is valuable or satisfying. And my prayer is, is that God would change our hearts to come to understand that, that the, the, the most satisfying thing for our heart or our soul is not something and it's not even necessarily another person as much as the love that God has for us. In 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, Paul said this, and we'll make this our prayer because this was Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. I'm praying that. Uh, for every single one of you, God, would you direct all of our hearts into your love? Not just direct your mind or your understanding, but that you would direct your hearts. God, direct all of our hearts into your love, that we would experience your love, that we would sense your love for us more than we do right now. And Christ's perseverance, because if you really want to get a picture of love, you just look at Jesus' perseverance on the cross, and that will inform a whole lot uh, about the love that God has for you. But we're in this series called Retro Soul. We've been looking uh, at the Old Testament. We're looking at people in the Old Testament, uh, moments in the Old Testament, 
Today we're specifically looking at God in the Old Testament, but as told through uh, the book of Hosea. Hosea is an amazing uh, look at the love of God for his people. Hosea is the story of a uh, faithful, unwavering, loving, tender God. Hosea is the story of a God who is uh, symbolized as a faithful husband married to an unfaithful wife. And that's really the story of humanity. It's the story of the people of God. It's the story of all of us, really. God is the faithful one, and we go around doing our own thing. And and Hosea was a prophet of God, and uh, he's speaking on behalf of God, but he's also living out a life in front of people. And, And what became so graphic to people in Hosea's day was Hosea uh, married a woman who was basically a prostitute. He married an unfaithful woman. And so he had to live out what it was like uh, to, to be faithful to one who wasn't faithful to him. He had to live out a difficult journey of being married to someone that would be with him and then leave him and go be with all sorts of other people. And this was a picture of God and us. And so he spoke about that, but he also lived that out. And what you see as this kind of unfolds through the book of Hosea is a warning, really, Hosea is saying, don't turn your back on God's love. But it's really the, the, the kindness of the Lord that's supposed to lead us to repentance. And so this story of Hosea it is a story of a loving God, a faithful God, a tender God, a, a God that is relentless in his love for his people. An undeserving, stiff-necked, sinful, unfaithful people are getting wrapped up in the huge, amazing, loving, powerful, tender, always present arms of a loving God. I, I'm praying that your hearts would be turned into God's love, consumed with God's love. If you look at Hosea and go to chapter 11, there's four verses that I want to look at that really highlight this love. He's laid out the warning not to turn the back against the the love of God. And he's reminding them of of his love and faithfulness to them. Because it's so easy to forget just how much God loves us. I mean, You might sit here right now and you wrestle with it. You spar with that truth. But in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, God says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And so God frames himself up right away as this heavenly daddy that has been loving his kids when they were young and stupid and make, making all sorts of their own choices when they wanted to go their own way. Our heavenly daddy was loving us then. And he's loving them now. And he's going to love them on into eternity. 
He, he loved them when he saw them in oppression, in slavery, literally in Egypt and spiritually as a result of sin and didn't leave them stuck there. But he came and, and got them free. He's a daddy that comes and rescues when we need it. Our heavenly daddy. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 2, he goes on and he just says, uh, but, but the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, these false gods, and they burned incense to, to images. The reality was uh, our heavenly daddy is, is calling us today. He, he's desiring to win us over with his love. But you know as well as I do that there's a whole lot of other things calling to you too. There's a whole lot of distractions. There's a whole lot of idols, a whole lot of little G gods that would love to take the place of the God, parade around as, as a, 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 a good substitute for God's love. How well is that working for us? It's not worked for me. And, and, and he, he knows, you know what? I, I know it. This has been going on in God's people, in humankind. I'm calling, I'm communicating, but I get that there's other things that are drawing you left and right. That's who you are. You're the unfaithful, but I'm not going anywhere. I love you. You're mine. I made you. Verse God says, it was I who taught Ephraim, another word for Israel, to walk, taking them by the arms. A, a heavenly daddy. You know, like moms and dads, when the kids are, are little and you're kind of, you know, coaching them along to get them to crawl to you. And then when they start the stumbling sort of walk that you, you're right there, you know, you take them by the hands, take them by the arms and they, you know, you're, you're making sure you don't have any, uh, furniture with sharp edges and, and you're just trying to catch them if they fall that that's, that's our heavenly daddy. He's there when we're learning to crawl and he's there when we're learning to walk and He's there when we're learning to run. Some of you are 60 and, and spiritually you're still just crawling or walking and that's okay. Your heavenly father is still taking you by the arms and going, you're going to run someday. I get right now, spiritually speaking, this is more of a, a crawl or a walk for you, but I'm still here. I love you. I, I got you. He's been doing that for all time. But then it says, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. Do you ever think about how many how many times our heavenly daddy has uh, blessed you, protected you, provided for you, and you didn't even realize it was him? How many times God has stepped in and blessed you and provided for you and protected for you, and you just, you, you attributed it to someone else or to yourself or happenstance or whatever? The fact that you're taking a breath right now or that you got here safely somehow, it's because you're a really good driver. It's all because, you know, you've kept yourself healthy or whatever. Man, this is a picture of, uh, um, this is my grandfather, my namesake, Ron, Ronnie. Uh, This is my grandmother, Joyce. Uh, she's still with us, and she 
is at this church. And that's my mom, Cynthia. I love this picture. One, because they look cool. (laughs) But two, my my mom is in this church as well, and she's she's grown up. Because I'm old, so, you know, she's not old. You're watching the recording, Mom. You're not old. You, you are mature, like a fine wine or something. I don't know. So, but my mom, my mom has seen this picture. She's, she's aware of this, but, but she doesn't remember this exact moment. That's too long ago. And she was too little and too young. But, but, but were, were her parents still taking her by the arms, uh, walking with her, uh, providing for her, protecting her, even though she doesn't remember this particular moment? Yeah, you bet. You know how many times God's provided, stepped in, and you either forgot about it or you just weren't aware at the time, and yet he was there nonetheless? This next one, this, this is my wife. <laughs> She's pregnant, by the way, not bloated or whatever. <laughs> cracks me up. She's, she's pregnant with, with our boy, our, our first boy. And uh, do you know how much we were loving Braddock, our firstborn, before he was even out of the womb. Braddock doesn't know that. Does that change the fact how much his mom and dad were loving him before he was even in our arms? No. Before the foundations of the earth were laid, God had your picture on his wall. He's been loving you since the foundation of the world was laid. Then we had our little boy, Braddock. And when he was a little guy, one day we got to hang out with Kurt Warner. Braddock's 12 now, so he doesn't remember this. He doesn't remember that a really burly, awesome NFL quarterback and an extremely godly man hung out with him for the entire day and in between preaching at our church would come in and, and roll the football back and forth across the floor for 15, 20 minutes between every single service. The strength of integrity and character of this man and the physical strength of his body was embracing my son in the same way that the, the strength of God was embracing my son, but he doesn't remember it. Because he didn't catch it or doesn't remember it, does it mean it didn't happen or it isn't true? No. We then had a second child, Braddock, and then Brody. And this next picture, this is, this is the day Brody was born and Braddock just went right over and wrapped up his little brother. They're 11 and 12 now. They're, they're fast friends. They're best friends and They don't remember this moment, but the love that 
God had for my grandparents, that they had for my mom, that she had for me, that we had for our kids is now coming out of my son to my other son. And the fact that they don't remember the love that God had for them and for each other in that moment, does it mean it didn't exist or wasn't? No. We took them to Disneyland a couple years later. And about a half day in, this is how they were. They zonked out. We snagged the picture. We're in the middle of Disneyland, and they are passed out. They're still alive. They're 11 and 12, I just told you. Even though they were asleep and unaware, we were still loving them and still providing for them and still caring for them. Even when you and I are asleep, God is still loving us and still caring for us and still holding the entire universe together. And whether you sense that, pick up on that or whatever, that's that's what's true. I don't remember what's next. Go for it. Ah, Leilani. Here's the funny little girl. I took this picture and she was... She was learning to walk. And just like us, you start to learn to walk and you're, you're not always successful. And you skin a knee or whatever, and as a daddy, you just want to keep anything from hurting your little ones. But you know for them to learn from, from walk to run that they're going to have to take a tumble every once in a while. And you kind of allow that to happen. And that's... That's what we've been doing with her. She's four and a half now. She doesn't remember this moment. But that she doesn't remember it, does that mean I wasn't there making sure that she wasn't going to face plant? No, I was right there. Hosea chapter 11, verse 4. God says, I led them with cords of human kindness with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. You see the the tenderness of our God? How faithful and gentle. He's leading us like a a farmer would lead uh, cattle, but but not in a way that you would lead a beast, but in the way that you would lead a man with, with reason and gentleness and love. God is always drawing us and leading us to himself, but he will never do it forcefully. He's always doing it so gently. I think we got gypped on the NIV translation a little bit. Here's the ESV translation. It says, I led them with cords of kindness with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down and fed them. He's this gentle farmer that says, I know you've been working really hard for a long time. Let me take off the yoke and pull the the bit from your mouth and let you breathe. Let you eat. Let you just enjoy. Stop working. Stop laboring. Your daddy's got you. 
And he keeps bending down. How many times has God bent down, stooped down low for us? In your life, how many times has God stooped down? Or maybe you're sitting here today, you're going, I, I don't know. But I wish he would. I think one of the most graphic moments where he did that was through Jesus. He stooped pretty low to feed us when, when Jesus, God the Son, became like one of us. And then laid down his life for us. God demonstrated his love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we've, we've talked about this before, but just humor me if you've been through this. What's, what's your name right here? Alexia. Okay, I want you to picture for just a minute that Alexia, um, she has just committed a crime. <laughs> and Alexia has been dragged into the courtroom here. And I'm the judge. Okay, not your best day, Alexia. Okay? <laughs> Turns out Alexia has committed murder. Now, if I'm a good judge, if I'm a fair judge, I can't just look at Alexia and say, you know what, Alexia, um, you're guilty of this crime of murder. You've confessed to it. But you know what? It's just murder. I know who you killed, and they're annoying anyway, so you kind of did us a favor. You can go. If I'm a good judge, I'm a fair judge. I can't do that. I mean, justice has to be served. Crime's been broken. You're not just going to let that go rampant. So sorry, Alexa, you're guilty of this crime of murder. It has to be punished. And unfortunately, the punishment of that crime is death. You took a life, a life has to be taken. That, that would be within my rights as, as a judge to do that. And I'd be fair in doing that. God's in the same position. We've all broken laws and we don't deserve anything but separation from him. But what if on this particular day I said, Alexia, you're guilty of this crime of murder and, uh, and, and you've confessed to it and it deserves to be punished. But I love you and I care for you an awful lot. So here's, here's what we're going to do, Alexia. I turn to an officer in the courtroom and I say, go get my, my boy Braddock. And they get my son and they bring him in. And I have a conversation with Braddock. And he says, yeah, dad, I'll volunteer for that. And they walk him outside and I turn, I said, Alexa, Alexia, you're guilty of this crime of murder. It has to be punished, but I love you and I care for you. So here's what we're going to do. My son Braddock has just volunteered to take your place. The punishment that you deserved is going to be put on him. And they take my boy Braddock outside and they execute him. Justice is served. Now you get to go free. That's the same thing that Jesus did for every single one of us. Friends and family. Well, one, Alexia, I, I love you. I don't know you, but I love you. But I, I don't love you enough to do that. In real life, I would not do that. Because <laughs> as much as I love you, I would not give my son for you. But God... God did. And Jesus voluntarily said, yep, I'm on board with that. I would hope if that actually happened in real life, I think it would be pretty hard for Alexia to ever doubt the love that I had for her. If I bumped into her a week or so down the road on the street somewhere and, oh, Ron, yeah, Judge Ron, hey, how's it going? Oh, good. Alexia, how are you doing? And then she said, hey, do you have 20 bucks I could borrow? 
And I said, you know what, Alexia, I, I can't give you 20 bucks. And she went, oh, are you kidding me? You can't give me 20 bucks? You must not love me then. I'd be like, you're an idiot, Alexia. <laughs> Don't you remember what I just did for you? Now, that's what I would do in my humanity. And that's what I do to God all the time. But God wouldn't go, wait, are you kidding me? God would just say, yeah, I, I can't give it to you, but I still love you. I still love you. I jotted this quote down a while ago because I thought it was cool, and I, I don't know who said it. Do you think Jesus would writhe in agony on the cross, lay down his life, drink your cup of judgment just to abandon you later like sinners have done in your past? Did he cross the desert of wrath, slay the great dragon, and win his bride with intentions to eventually dis divorce her? No. He will not divorce you. He will not leave you. He has not abandoned you. He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And I hope that you could seek him more and more, that he would turn your hearts into his love, that you would experience it, not just understand it. Some of you here, your soul may have no response right now to God's love for you. And if that's you here, God loves you just the same. But you may ask yourself the question, why, why can't my soul, why is there no response to the fact that God loves me? Others of you hearing this is a bit of an alarm clock waking you up. Some of you still, it's hearing of the love of God is just sounding like a gentle church bell that's drawing you into his heavenly, gentle, daddy arms saying, I love you. If you dislike somebody, you just glance at them. If you like somebody, you might look at them, but if you really, really love someone, you'll gaze right at them. And I don't know what your eye line is to God. All I need every one of you in here to hear this morning is God's gazing at you. He desperately loves you. And I don't know what you do with that except just receive it. That's it. Father, help us receive that. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you're here and you say, I want to receive the forgiving love of God, you know you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus. You, you can, right here and right now. You just say, God, please forgive me of my sin. 
I'm handing the keys of my life over to you. I receive your love and your forgiveness. I want to be a child of yours. He will flood through you with his love. The Holy Spirit will pour out his love into your heart. You just talk to him if that's you. He loves you so much. And we do too. If you're here this morning and you just had that conversation with God, I would love to be praying for you. If you just received that love that God has for you, would you just slip up a hand right where you are so that I can be praying for you? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you so much just for being so patient, so merciful, so gracious with us. We just position ourselves now to stand under the waterfall of your love for us as we just spend just two or three minutes more receiving the love that you have for us, responding to who it is that you say we are. We just humble and surrender ourselves to you in Jesus' name.